Stop In is being brought to you by St. Clair Health, expert care from people who care. Hello everyone, today we are actually here at the Mount Lebanon Library in their wonderful new renovated soundproof room. Uh, I'm back with Maddie, our honorary host for the last few episodes. Um, we're so excited for this particular episode because it's actually with outreach counselors, including our very own producer, Maggie. So Maggie and Julie, would you guys introduce yourselves and tell us how long you've been with outreach? Sure. I'll go first. I started working at outreach in 2019 as an outpatient therapist. And then I was really into programming, programming something I'm really interested in. So then I um, took the full-time program manager position starting January of 2022. Uh, I'm Julie, and I've been with Outreach since, I think, 2012. Um, I've been through a few of their administrative changes, the new offices. I've run programs in the past, uh, but primarily now I focus mainly on outpatient therapy. Wonderful. We're so happy to have you guys here. So now we're going to do some get-to-know-you questions. Um, the first one is, where did you grow up? Uh, Maddie and I can take this one. I have been born and raised in Mount Lebanon, um, moved over one street when I was in fourth grade, but stayed in the same elementary school and uh, have been here my whole life. But in the fall, I'm moving to New York City for college, so that's exciting. Maddie? I also grew up in Mount Lebanon, um, have moved a few times within the community, and I am moving to Delaware next year for college. Very exciting. Congratulations, both. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. Uh, Maggie? So I grew up in the neighboring um, <laughs> school district of Upper St. Clair and graduated there. So um, really familiar with the area and currently live in Upper St. Clair. Um, very similar to you, except I grew up in Bethel Park and uh, currently actually am still living in Bethel Park. So. Well, we won't hold your alma mater against you guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. all right, Maddie, Our next question this? is, where is your dream vacation location? Ooh. Um, mine would probably be maybe like South America, like uh, hiking or in the rainforests, something like that. Maddie? I would really like to visit Spain. Oh, those are good picks. I think, you know, something that's on top of the bucket list is going to Australia. Oh, Let's yeah. See what the, I'll see a koala. What's <laughs> it like the world down under? Yeah. yeah. I would like to experience, experience going there. Um, my two dream places are probably tied because one is Hawaii because I think it's just, I mean, it's Hawaii I've never been. Yeah. And then the other one, my big one would probably be Ireland. That's always been something oh. that's called to me. So. Yeah. Yeah. Are you Irish? I am. That's why. <laughs> me too. Yeah, my, my dad's pushing for studying study abroad in Ireland. That's where he was for his junior year in college. So <laughs> we'll see where I go. Um, so Maggie and Julie, can you each tell us one thing that makes you really proud to be involved with um, a nonprofit like Outreach? Sure. Do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. Um, I know I've been with Outreach for a while, but there's so many reasons I think that I just really love working at Outreach, and I've met so many incredible people, families, um, kids, just really across the board, and, and I really 
I love that outreach's mission is to focus on the local community and to help those closest to us, but it doesn't limit it to just this community either, that they're open to, to helping anyone. So um, I don't know, I really just love the organization and I feel like they really truly care about not just their own community, but, but everyone. Yeah, I would say the staff. I think everyone at Outreach really does share in the same mission, which is to really care for clients in the community, provide exceptional counseling services, um, as well as just really tries to connect with uh, diverse groups of people and um, anyone who really would like or could benefit from support. So I would say the staff is really special at Outreach. Yeah, I think in all my various encounters with outreach staff um everyone seems to be like in the right profession like in schools and like other you know healthcare practices whatever you can tell some people like maybe you shouldn't be working with kids or you know maybe you want to reconsider what you're doing but I think everyone at outreach really is is doing it for the right reasons all right that's it for those questions uh we're going to take a second to thank St. Clair Health for being our annual sponsor at St. Clair Health we're always improving building on our commitment to face the challenges of today, making an impact on the communities we serve so we can be stronger together. St. Clair Health, expert care from people who care. All right, now we're gonna get into the content. Maddie, do you wanna kick us off? Yeah, so our first question for you guys is why and or how did you choose this career path for yourself? Sure. Well, it's funny, actually, my undergrad was in corporate communications. I really thought I was going to go work for some some business. Or, um, I've always been interested in nonprofit organizations, but thought I'd be kind of traveling in, in a role where I was traveling and kind of uh, more on like the PR marketing side of things. But I quickly realized after graduating from my undergrad that I'm more interested in people than businesses. And I have always just really naturally enjoyed connecting with people and um, friendships and relationships has always been something that I really valued. So I decided to go back and thought really the essence of counseling, in my opinion, is building strong relationships and I thought it'd be a good fit professionally for myself. So did you get, uh, when did you get another degree? So I was fortunate to go back pretty quickly. Um, I graduated early from my undergrad, oh, nice. and then in the following fall semester, I was able to start my uh, grad school program. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I also didn't go right into the field. I graduated with my bachelor's in criminology, and initially was interested in being um, like a profiler, or being uh, in the FBI, DEA, like going along one of those paths. And after I graduated, I ended up starting my career uh, working at a female juvenile detention center. And it was there that I discovered that I just kind of connected with the girls and realized how much I didn't know. <laughs> and so kind of following my natural instincts um, and really opportunity, My the organization I was working for opened up a charter school with Pittsburgh Public Schools and uh, kind of promoted me to become their counselor for their high school. And then even more so at that point, I said, like, I am not qualified to be a <laughs> high school counselor right now. So I went back for my master's. Um, but it was probably about five to seven years maybe after I actually graduated with my bachelor's. 
um, and then I got my master's in counseling and um, and then ended up finding outreach kind of on the side because when you work in that difficult of an environment constantly, it's very easy to burn out and it seems counterproductive to do more counseling, but it was <laughs> such a different population with such a different aspect of needs that it was more fulfilling. Um, and then I just kind of stuck with outreach on the side. So. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I think that really goes to show that like it's okay to not know what you want to do and even to get a degree in something that you might not want to do it a little later. I mean, expecting people to decide the rest of their lives when they're 18, 17, or 18 is kind of crazy. So I think it uh, goes to show that it's okay to not know and it's okay to not know even once you have that degree in your hand. Well, it is so true because I think so much about if you knowing if you like a job is experiencing it right. and having time to really feel it out and to see, is this something I like doing for six to eight hours every day? Right. Um, and it's hard to know until you're really in that environment and doing the work of the job so makes sense all right our next question is what type of counselor are you so like what's your official title and what does a day in the life normally look like for you i'm sorry sure (laughs) uh so right now my official title is school counselor um i work at an elementary school in beaver county it's third fourth and fifth grades um there's about 600 kids in the building it's a pretty big district in general which is why we have separate elementary school buildings um I don't know if there is a typical day as a counselor in general, and I I kind of think that that's my number one favorite part about this job, is you never know what you're going to get, and you have no idea what your day is going to look like, and, um, you know, kind of, I mentioned I started at a high school level, I started in inner city um, youth, but now I'm kind of in a suburban area, but you quickly realize that the issues that everyone experiences are all the same. It just presents itself differently at different levels. So even though technically I'm in like a suburban area with elementary school kids, I'm still seeing the same issues that I helped high school kids work with. It just looks different because they're at a different age level and functioning level. So um, they also show emotions more, which I, I love. You know, they will open up to you more. They don't necessarily hide it or wait too long to get help. So I really love the age group I'm working with right now. Um, but yeah, you could see anything. I mean, especially at elementary schools, we do everything fun from presentations and author visits to all of a sudden we're involved with CYS caseworkers and, and something more tragic. So, um, you know, most days you love your job and the days that are hard are really hard. Um, but I, I do. I love my job. I can, I can absolutely say that. Good. <laughs> well, Joy, I actually used to be an elementary school counselor, and then I decided to kind of shift and um, pursue licensure in the. So I'm currently an outpatient counselor at Outreach, and I carry a caseload working with um, children and adolescents. I would say in the outpatient world, things are a little bit more structured. I schedule clients either weekly, bi-weekly, or as needed for sessions. And I really try to meet my clients where they're at and help them get to where they want to go. So it's it's always a learning experience, I think, for um, counselors as well. Like we, I feel like I learn a lot from my clients. And um, yeah, I can honestly say I really, really love my job as well. <laughs> um. I aspire to, you know, going into something that 
we can both find, I think, uh, people going off to college, finding something you, that you love. Um, all right, Maddie, you want to take this yeah. next question? So our next question for you guys is, do you feel like there's any misconceptions about counseling? And, you know, can you talk about a little bit more about that? Yeah, of course. I think one of... I think one I think one misconception can be that sometimes people think of counseling as last resort um, when they're experiencing severe distress or chaos in their life or dysfunction in relationships um, and they are starting to really feel that hopelessness, helplessness, uh, feeling majorly overwhelmed. That's when they you know, sometimes think, okay, maybe I do need support from a professional. However, I think really in the field, in the profession of counseling, we really like to focus on wellness and character development and coping skills and um, really empowering clients. And that can be done in a really proactive approach. And I think um, if we're able to kind of shift our perspective to why don't I work with a counselor before I'm reaching this breaking point, then uh, there can be a lot more success, I feel like, and less feelings of hopelessness and and kind of that loneliness feeling. Um, So I think that's something that, as as the profession, we look at helping people in a proactive approach, but I'm hoping that the other side, people can kind of um, be more proactive instead of um, reactive in situations. No, I, I totally agree with that. And I think, especially from the school counselor side of things, kids don't often know what the counselor's there for. Or they think that you only go to the counselor if you're in trouble or if you're having you know, issues in the classroom. And, and granted, you know, we are often involved with behavior issues or you know, dealing with, with student management. but one of the things I try really hard to do is to teach the students that you can tell me good things too. You can come and just talk to me or try to make myself like more of a positive presence. And, um, you know, when I do like monthly classroom lessons, I introduced what I totally call as like one of my weird counselor tricks, which is really just mindfulness techniques or breathing techniques, but I make the whole classroom do it so that they kind of try to normalize it because I know that there's one or two kids in there that are really struggling with anxiety or issues, but on the whole, if you make it normal and make it something strange and I blame me being weird and, you know, that, that kind of just tries to reduce the stigma of it um, because I, I have, you know, kids that love coming to see me. I have kids that don't want anything to do with me and, and that's okay because I feel like their parents kind of have impressed their own views on them. And so I'll have parents that really appreciate my help with their kids and, and seek me out and then, I have parents that specifically say, please don't speak to my child. So it's really, it's hard because you never know what you're going to get, especially like Maggie was saying, there's so much wellness and prevention and, and things that we could do to, to maintain before it gets too bad, before mm-hmm. you feel overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes you just can't get to the kids that you want to or the, or the these clients that you want to for reasons that are beyond your control. Yeah, it's very true. I think another misconception is if you are starting to work with a counselor, some people feel the need to stick with that counselor, even if they're not reporting or seeing that it's helpful. I think really um, a counseling, working with a counselor 
is in a sense a professional relationship and you have to be to really I think seek the most benefits of working with a counselor there has to be a level of uh, vulnerability and that's part of our jobs as counselors is to create safe comfortable trusting environments where our clients can open up but everyone's not going to be a best fit for everyone so I would really recommend that if you are um, if you have taken the courageous step to work with a counselor and you're not feeling like it's helpful for you, it's okay to then um, try to work with a new counselor, right? And see if that relationship feels better, just more genuine for you and you feel more comfortable kind of opening up and sharing some closed envelope information that could really be transformative uh, for you. Yeah, um, you know, starting when I was little, I spent a lot of time personally with therapists that just weren't, you know, weren't doing it for me, and to no fault of their own. I mean, mm-hmm. different therapists work with work as in, you know, click with different people, but uh, in a lot of ways, I think it was my experience was being with a counselor that that I wasn't getting the help I needed from was counterproductive like I was just mm-hmm. I was like, why can't you know? You kind of start to think, why why like am I just not able to get help or like is it you know is it a me problem but I think uh you know with some trial and error finding a counselor that worked for me was obviously <laughs> what I needed so uh I think yeah like Maggie said it is okay to uh kind of shop around almost <laughs> yeah and I think the last misconception because I think this question is kind of really interesting but is a lot of the times the success of a client outcome, like if, if, if counseling is helpful, has a lot to do with the client and the therapeutic relationship rather than specific modalities we use as counselors or um, us as counselors fixing a problem. Um, that's really, I think, something that sometimes people think counselors are supposed to do, but it really isn't the main form of a positive outcome. It has a lot more to do on the client factors of things as well as the counseling relationship that the client and counselor have. I think that's a great point. I think that there's a lot of, like you said, people coming in a very difficult time in their life and saying, well, tell me what I need to do. Yes. And getting really frustrated when you say, well, that's, that's not what we do and that's not what you do and, and let's talk out all your options and there's just a frustration level where people are caught at the end of their rope and that's when they finally came in but really there's so much more to it and mm-hmm. like you said it's, it's really a lot of what the client puts in and what kind of work they want to do mm-hmm. in order to get to where they want to be yeah yeah I think that's another you know I was a really stubborn little kid I thought I could just you know show up to these sessions and sit there and leave feeling better but um you know it Therapy doesn't work unless you do. So it's not like a, you know, you can't expect your therapist to like telepathically transfer feeling better to you. <laughs> like, I mean, um, so I think, you know, being able to, I mean, taking the step to go to therapy is already a huge step, whether you're at this, you know, I mean, the goal is to get people in therapy before they're at crisis points, but um whether no, no matter where you are at, getting therapy is a huge step, but you also have to be, you know, ready to work because it is not just like, you know, and I don't think there's a timeline. Like, it's not like, okay, this is like an eight week program, leave and you'll be better. Mm-hmm. Like, I think, you know, it, I think, um, and even when you do feel better, like 
life ebbs and flows. I mean, I think, you know, keeping that therapist, whether it's on the back burner or keeping a weekly appointment, um, even if you're out of that crisis period is keeps you in check. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that was a great first half. We're going to take a quick pause to thank St. Clair Health for their generosity in sponsoring the first season of Teens Tap In. At St. Clair Health, we're always improving, building on our commitment to face the challenges of today, making an impact on the communities we serve so we can be stronger together by creating reliable resources that recognize all of our neighbors with access to the highest quality healthcare, advanced care close to home, and a shared humanity that delivers on our joint vision to create a healthier community for all. St. Clair Health, expert care from people who care. All right, uh, Maggie and Julie, counseling and, you know, sort of these um, human-centered professions, uh, like like working with CYS or, you know, social work, whatever, seem to be pretty um, popular careers to have high rates of burnout. So uh, what self-care tips do you practice to be at your best so that you can still be the most helpful person possible for others? That's a great question. I think, you know, in addition to the pandemic adding so much onto every person, whether you're in a healthcare profession or not, I, it took me a long time to be able to recognize my own boundaries and my own limits. And I'm at a good place now where I can physically feel that I've taken on too much or that I'm getting close to burnout. And when I get there, I'm no good to anybody. So it's really important that um, I cut back my work hours, or I cut back my like my caseload, um, and just detach. You know, if that means getting outside, getting exercise, spending time with people I love, um, making you know weeknight appointments to meet friends for dinner that typically I wouldn't do. There's there's certain things you have to do that you maybe you wouldn't even consider as self care, but you don't realize how fulfilling it is and how important it is to have that enrichment in your own life to be remembered, to be reminded of all the good things that you're working towards and for. And then by doing that, it's like filling your own bucket so that you can help other people too. Yeah. I think I try to take a preventative approach and um, actively journal as a way to connect with myself. So, um, you know, as counselors, we're real people too. (laughs) And um, we have to find ways to deal with our own things that come up so it doesn't impact our my work professionally. So I found that journaling is a really great method for myself um, for that. I also lead a pretty active lifestyle. So I like to be outside when I can, uh, walk my dog, work out. Uh, that really seems to help. It's something I do for self-care. And lastly, my dog, shout out to Allie, <laughs> is one of the best ways um, just she's just so great and I feel like supporting me emotionally. Yeah. And um, I really feel that she just is so helpful when I just need um, some extra just support. So I think those are some of the things, the main things I do for self-care. And I really think self-care is something that everyone can benefit from. And it's not, it doesn't have to be these huge big things that you have to schedule a lot of time to do in your day. Um, it's more so the little things that can really make a big impact. Uh, I like what you said, Julie. I was talking to a client today, actually. We have to be able to fill our own buckets up to really um, be our best and give our best selves to others. So, um, Yeah. 
I was just about to go back to what Julie said. You know, you, you can't pour from an empty bucket, whether it's, you're a counselor or just, you know, someone. I mean, everyone interacts with people, whether you like it or not. So to be your best self, you got to find out what what really does replenish and fill up your bucket. So I think, you know, that's another thing that's some trial and error, finding what fulfills you. And I, I like what you said about it can be little things, because I think we often hear people say, you know, I don't really have time for self-care, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, taking five minutes to journal, like five minutes is not a whole ton of time and you can do it right before you go to bed. Um, but really just making sure that there's little things throughout your day that can help fill you back up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, Maddie, why don't you take this last question? Okay, so our last question for today is, what do you hope the future of counseling looks like? <laughs> I personally hope that the stigma continues to be confronted and that people can recognize that it does not have to be because you're crazy. It does not have to be because you need help. It does not have to be because you're in a moment of trauma or crisis in your life, that it is something that is maintenance. It should be self-care. There's nothing wrong with talking to someone, having sounding board, having somebody to support you. Mm-hmm. I find that there's worth in every conversation that I have with clients, even if we're not connecting or even if the work isn't really being done, mm-hmm. that counseling as a whole I think it's finally starting to get a real light shine on it because, and sadly, I think a lot of the pandemic had to do with people all of a sudden struggling and not knowing what to do with it. And so, um, you know, these healthcare fields got hit really hard, but I don't see it ending. It wasn't like the pandemic slowly over, so I'm okay now. It's all of a sudden recognizing how helpful it can be. And and that's my hope, that it continues to, to gain more positive momentum and and less of the negative stigma that it's had historically. Yeah. I would say my hope's pretty pretty similar yeah. <laughs> to yours, Jolie. I just hope the field continues to progress with access to everyone to have the ability to see a counselor, as well as counseling and mental health continues to be normalized. We see a doctor to stay physically healthy. I think we should be all have access or the ability to check in with a counselor to stay mentally, emotionally, and socially healthy. Um, I just think that would be so helpful in helping us as individuals thrive. And then again, as a whole community, um, just be happier and healthier in general. So yeah, I think that's my hope. Yeah, I think those are uh, great insights and uh, you know, I can only hope for the same thing. I think there's, you know, being able to be in counseling and uh, be, say, get on medication and get a diagnosis. Those are all privileges that, um, you know, you people are fortunate to have. But thanks to organizations like Outreach, I mean, these things are becoming more accessible. And, um, you know, when I was little and I was going through, you know, whatever seasons of, anxiety or OCD or even now like uh, depression, whatever it may be, there's a lot of feeling like you're kind of crazy. Like, you know, what's, what's wrong with me? No one else is presenting this way. But I think just understanding that people are going through it, whether you see it or not is um, really important. And that's why I'm so eager to talk about, to, you know, do things like host this podcast and talk about my experience with therapy is because, you know, you're not crazy, whether you're in therapy or not. Uh, it's normal. There's, you know, you go to, like Maggie was kind of saying, you break your leg, you go to the hospital, you, something's off in your head, then you, you get help for that. And I think just making sure people can have 
equal access to that is what's next for this field. Yeah, it's so true. And I really feel like it's one of the greatest, you know, assets of having this podcast is we're able to talk about all these important mental health um, situations and factors that really play into our mental health and wellness in general. And um, I think the more conversations that can take place around mental health and how mental health and physical health are connected in a lot of ways, um, it's going to do the profession so much good and hopefully will lead to more progress and destigmatizing mental health and um, inspire others to know that they're not alone and um, outreach as well as I'm sure a lot of other counseling organizations in the community are always willing to serve just to help in any way possible. Yep. Well, that takes us to the end of our content and uh, Maggie kind of brought me into this um, next pointer. Uh, This is officially Sid, Maddie and I's last podcast episode. Um, We are all going to college. Um, So, you know, we'll all be going off to our various, uh, our various places and uh, we're, our time on the outreach board is over and our time with this podcast is over. So, Oh gosh, I didn't expect to, you know, get emotional, but mm-hmm. I really like this experience has been one of the most invaluable things I could have ever done. And, you know, before I'm even graduated from high school, um, being able to have a platform to share not only my story, but to host guests like Julie and Maggie and meet so many wonderful people, um, has really been an amazing experience. And I think I can speak for Sid and say that, uh, though some various uh, things going on in her life have kept her from these last few episodes, I think we're both in um, unspeakably grateful for what we've been able to do with our positions on the board and uh, especially on this podcast. So um, one more time, we're going to thank St. Clair Health with the following ad. At St. Clair Health, we're always improving, building on our commitment to face the challenges of today, making an impact on the communities we serve so we can be stronger together. St. Clair Health, expert care from people who care. All right, so if you want to have an experience like Sid and mine, uh, we are looking for students in high school and college, uh, college undergrads, local to the Mount Lebanon and Pittsburgh communities to join the Youth Advocacy Committee. Uh, They will have the opportunity to be the host on this podcast and promote mental wellness in the community. Apply by going to Outreach's website, then clicking on Programs, then Youth Advocacy Committee, and scan the QR code to complete the application. Uh, I cannot plug this position enough. We have been able to do so many wonderful things, even beyond this podcast, behind the scenes. Um, It has been really an uh, incredibly fulfilling position. So with that, um, Maddie and I are signing off from this episode and Sid and I, our time with Teens Tap In is over. Thank you, Maggie and Julie. And I just really want to say thank you so much to Caroline and Sid. It's been so remarkable getting to work with both of you and I'll always be here to support you, your cheerleader. (laughs) And I have no doubt just the wonderful impact you're going to make for yourselves as well as anyone who gets to meet you. 
And shout out to Maddie for also your wonderful <laughs> yeah, work. Yeah, she has stepped up yes. amazingly. Well, hopefully I'll be able to phone in from the library next year or something like that. That would be amazing. All right, we're signing off. The views and opinions expressed in the Teens Tap In podcast represent the opinions of the hosts and their guests. The views and opinions expressed by Outreach Teen and Family Services employees, donors, and volunteers are their own and do not necessarily reflect the view of Outreach Teen and Family Services or the show's sponsors. The content here should not be taken as counseling advice. The content here is for informational purposes only, and because each person is unique, Please consult your mental health provider or physician for any mental health counseling or other medical questions. The podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including, but not limited to, establishing a standard of care in a legal sense or as a basis for expert witness testimony. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast. If you find any error in any of the content of the podcast, please contact us at podcasts at outreachteen.org. Outreach Teen and Family Services, its sponsors, donors, and partners expressly disclaim any and all liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect, incidental, special, consequential, or other damages whatsoever arising out of any individual's use of, reference to, reliance on, or inability to use this podcast or the information presented in this podcast. Please go to www.outreachteen.org to see the complete notice and disclaimer for the podcast episodes.